It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, December 30th, 2010. The last Virtual Bible Study for 2010 is here and we appreciate you being a part of it uh, for this program. And there's many of you out there tonight who've been a part of it all year. Appreciate you for being there. Dad, uh, my father, Greg Wynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Thank you, Jacob. It's good to be with you. I look forward to our discussion tonight. We do appreciate all, all of our listeners. We've got some regulars that join us every week and really help make the program uh, uh, a lot better. And we appreciate those. We appreciate those who listen in the archives as well, Jay. We get a lot of people listening. Uh, they're able to listen maybe when they're commuting to work or doing some other things, and that works out well, too. And we'd like to hear from you if you're listening in the archive version. Maybe just send us an email. Let us know uh, that you're out there. And uh, we had a listener from India last week that we heard from uh, yeah, asking was, for something you'd offered last yeah, week. Yeah, last week on our, our uh, program, we offered our Bible reading calendar. We do that every year here at College View, and we've done it again this year. We have a Bible reading calendar for 2011. We'll offer it again. If you're interested in getting a copy of that, if you'll send us an email to questions at collegeview.com, and give us your snail mail address, we'll get one in the mail. The reading schedule starts next Monday, so we've got some time to get it to you, and you won't be behind or won't be very far behind anyway. And uh, you can pretty easily read through the whole Bible uh, following that schedule. So if you let us know, send us an email. Some, we mentioned that last week, and within just hours we had – a response from a listener in India who said, please, can you get me one? So uh, and I think, pretty amazing. I think he got the electronic version. Yeah, and also a listener in Australia. I don't think I told you oh, that. A, another uh, one, Peter, who has been listening yeah. uh, for some time, uh, contacted me from Australia and asked uh, to get a, a copy sent to him. All right. And we can send that in Microsoft Word electronic format, too, if you'd rather get it that way, and that'll be even faster. All right. So if you listen to the archive version, and maybe you don't catch this until... Uh, maybe sometime after the first of the year, maybe you want the electronic version so you can get started immediately. And then you can follow that up with a paper version if you'd like that yeah. as well. So you can maybe mark it off as you go. Uh, send us an email. Give us your snail mail address if you want to electronically give us your email address. I guess we'd have it if you send us an email. Uh, questions at collegeview.com. Well, uh, we've got an interesting topic planned for tonight. We want to talk about, well, the economy has had an influence on uh, the way people are behaving religiously. Yeah, we've uh, we've been getting an indication. Uh, uh, the, the indication is somewhat by our own experience and by people we've been talking to, but also, Jacob, you came across a link uh, to a story in the Nashville Tennessean that said there's a pretty general problem existing among religious groups in the that they're hurting for finances. People are cutting back their giving. People, yeah, the churches have been holding, uh, I guess, sort of. Uh holding tight as, as tight as they could, and now it's finally catching up. Uh, uh, donations are down uh, in 2010 by 3%. Uh, if you were to go across uh, the, uh, the different denominations, in general, uh, donations are down about 10%. Um, and it's starting to affect a lot of uh, activities that religious organizations are doing. You asked the question, maybe or some, maybe have some experience that as well. 
Yeah, that's right. We In the article in the Tennessean, it says more than a third of churches surveyed said donations dropped in 2010, and overall donations were down 3%. It's caused uh, religious groups to, in order to make ends meet, they've had to lay off staff, they've had to freeze salaries, they've had to put off major capital projects and cut back on programs. Uh, a group called Lifeway um, did a survey of a 1,000 Protestant pastors, as they call them, across the country. 34% said donations were down. Nearly one in five churches said offerings had dropped by 10%. Wow. About half the churches said giving is under their 2009 budget. And uh, this, So they're behind. This interesting quote, instead of giving money to the church, members are giving to their kids or grandkids to help them pay the mortgage, is what uh, one expert has said. Yeah. They're having to help some of their middle-class members who are now in trouble with their mortgages and so forth. Uh, Empty Tomb Inc., uh, Camp- uh, Champaign, Illinois, uh, nonprofit that studies church giving. We're gonna, we'll get to this in our discussion, Jacob. This group that that uh, surveys nonprofit church, or not, it's a nonprofit group that studies church giving patterns. They said that average church members give about 2.43 percent of their annual income in the collection plate. So less than 2.5% of their income is That that number really jumped off the page when I read it, uh, 2.43%. What do you think about that? Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567 is toll-free. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. Or use the chat window to the right of your video if you're watching us live uh, tonight. If you're not logged in, just click the guest button, give yourself a nickname, and that's all it takes, and you're chatting with other listeners tonight. Jacob, right here at the end of the year, as we look to the new year, is probably a great time to reevaluate our giving. And consider what we're doing personally uh, in light of a new year and a, a new set of opportunities that is in front of us. To our update list earlier today, we always remind you, you can get on our update list by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to your list. We'll do it. Usually uh, just afternoon on Thursday, we send out an update, tell you what our topic's going to be, and we ask some questions to start getting feedback. We got very little feedback today. I think people are... On vacation, they're New week. Year's Eve-ing, yeah. Eving it. Uh, yeah. yeah, they're er- New Year's Eve early, uh, and I think maybe some might be watching a particular football game that's on right now, so we, we may have uh, less participation due to a sporting event. I'm not sure. Okay. But here's the questions we sent out earlier. Has the church where you are, or is the church where you are a member, experienced a drop in contributions, and have has there been necessary reductions in the programs of work for the congregation or that that your congregation is able to do. So we were hoping to get, and we haven't got much feedback yet, if you're in the chat room, let us know. In the congregation where you're a member, have the contributions dropped? Are you down in giving? In Mm -hmm. other words, just basic raw numbers. Is your contribution level less? And has that required a a scaling back of Mm -hmm. work? that the congregation is able to do. We'd like to hear that. We just want to get sort of a feedback from our listeners as to what the reality is there. Number two, what things should a Christian take into consideration when deciding to increase, decrease, or continue the same level of giving? We're saying here at the end of the year, good chance to reevaluate. If I'm going to reevaluate my giving, what things should I take into consideration as I do that? Number three, this is a question that always comes up when we're talking about giving, Jacob. Does the Old Testament command to tithe have any application to our giving today? Mm. Uh, We'll talk about that. Number four, 
Should a Christian base his or her giving on gross pay or take-home pay? That's a hot topic. Hot people, topic. People can get pretty exercised about that. We want to Let talk us know about your thoughts about yeah, that. Yeah. And then finally, number five, if a congregation is forced to scale back its work, let's say giving is down. We just don't have as much money. Uh, what things, what factors should be considered in making choices about the things that might have to be pulled back? Okay. So we'll talk about that. All right. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Uh, Sharon in Orangeburg, South Carolina, says no drop in con- contributions uh, where she is. What do you think? Uh, are, are, are contributions down? Now, I, I don't, uh, you know, they, they say here that in 2010, in this news article, contributions dropped uh, 3% overall in the uh, among the denominations that they uh, surveyed. I don't see a, a huge problem with that because I would assume uh, that incomes were down in 2010 due to the, due yeah. the recession. I would assume 3% was probably about the rate that the economy shrunk, and so it seems to be that, that the yeah, decrease seems reasonable. is yeah. And, and I, I mean, we could speak from our own experience here at College View. Our contribution is down because we've had some people who've been laid off, uh, some people who've had to move elsewhere to get work, and so we've seen a reduction in giving. And I'm not ashamed of that. We, I, I don't think it's indicative of a... Uh, it's not a, a symptom of a deeper problem. I think it's just reality. If you have less, you therefore can only give so much. Okay. All right. And uh, and uh, I know uh, where I work that uh, that the salaries were decreased about three percent. So you know it seems so to, out, out in the real business world. Yeah, right. Right. People have to take some cuts in pay. Sure. So that seems reasonable. But now we get to some of the other numbers in the article, and we'll get as we go along. Uh, th- those seem to be a little bit more. Uh, disturbing. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Again, in the chat room, if you're not logged in, all it takes is uh, click the guest button and give yourself a user uh, a nickname or username or you put your name in, and uh, then you're ready to go. If you have Facebook, you can log on with Facebook and uh, use that account for your chatting tonight. Uh, our contributions down where you are. Uh, let us know your thoughts. You know, Dad, throughout time, uh, God has always required sacrificial giving to him. It goes back even to Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel. Uh, you know, just as soon as we really get into God's dealing with people, uh, we see that sacrifice is required. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, and this is a, an area where I think that we kind of let down as Christians in the modern era. I think that our, in, in regards to giving in particular, there's other there's other areas in which we should be sacrificing for the Lord. We're not we're not excluding that. But in in regards to our giving in particular, I don't think Christians view it from the from the standpoint of sacrifice. In other words, uh, what they're giving really doesn't cost them that much. It doesn't keep them from being able to do all the things they want to do, buy all the things they want to buy, go on all the vacations they want to go on. Uh, it 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 is not. It is not sacrificial. In other words, it doesn't cost them anything. They're still pretty much able to do anything else they want to do. And that, I think, poses a potential problem. Well, we'll go back to the Old Testament to get an understanding of how God dealt with people in general. And we see throughout time that he's always required this material material sacrifice. And, Dad, it was not what was left over in the Old Testament. It was always the first. The very first of their income and their earnings went to the Lord. Well, that's important because... If I'm if I'm a farmer and I'm living off of my harvest, I'm going to give God the first of my harvest, and then I'm going to live off of what's left. It wasn't. It wasn't. I'm going to see how this goes this year. Right. 
And if, if I, I fill up my grain bin, anything that And if I get over. to the end of the year yeah. and I still got some left over, right. then I'm going to give some of that. That's right. not the way that was done. You're exactly right. It was first fruits. Right. They had to give of the first of their crops, the, the very, and they had to give the best. And, 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 and it was when there was a drought. It was when there, there was plenty. Uh, lean times and fat times, God wanted the first, and, uh, and it wasn't that's just ca- the leftover. That's kind of interesting. In bad times, let's say right. that this has been a bad crop year in Israel. Yeah. You know, and I'm a farmer. I mean, I'm out there working hard every day, and it's been rough this year. Right. I mean, it's been a drought. Crops haven't hardly made anything at all. And so now I'm getting my meager harvest. Right. What am I expected to do? Yeah. Well, I'm not going to give this year because I'm not going to be able to fill up that grain bin. He gave 10% still off yeah. the top from yeah. the first. First fruits. Yeah. And so, I mean, that I hadn't thought about it that way, Jacob, but I think that has particular application to the situation we're talking about here. We're in hard economic times. People are hurting. There's no doubt about that. But to say the the first thing that therefore gets eliminated from my personal budget is my giving to the Lord is a big mistake. All right. And, um, you know, I, I think we need to shy away from anyone who would uh, tell us that uh, you need to give uh, – a hundred dollars so that God will bless you with a thousand. Uh, the, the scriptures simply don't teach that. But in your dealing with people throughout time, you've doc, you've talked to a lot of people who uh, who come who are are needing uh, financial assistance. Have you ever talked to someone who says, uh, you know, I, I I need help with the rent this month, or I need some gas money because I gave too much to the Lord? Ne- never, categorically, <laughs> okay. never have experienced anything like that. And uh, I think that uh, I think we need to take some lessons from from what uh, uh, how God dealt with the old people in the Old Testament, and He's promised us that He'll take care of us if we're doing His will. And uh, I think He expects the, the 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 first of what we've given. You know, the illustration that you just offered is actually pretty close to the story of the widow and her mite, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, widow and her two mites in Mark chapter 12. Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and said to them, Verily I say to you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury, for they, for all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. You know, it would be my guess that People today, if you gave like the poor widow gave, there'd be a lot of people say you did wrong. You were wrong to do that. You've got to take care of yeah. first things first. You've got to you got to make sure you got food on the table and a roof over your head. Right. But in this instance, Jesus commended commended the poor widow. She gave everything she had. That was an act of faith, and we ought to have the same kind of faith that if we give, that we will be blessed. We're not trying to teach a health and wealth gospel no. here, as you said. Right. There are too many people who do that. But I do believe in the scriptures, I think, will support the concept that if we put God first, then we will we will have what we need. Matthew 6, 33, uh, Jesus particularly teaches that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. And he's just mentioned food, clothing, shelter. Absolutely. All these things shall be added unto you. So to that uh, extent, we have God's promise that we'll have what we need. He doesn't say I'll have a new car. Or get to go on a Disney World vacation, but there is a there is a promise. He doesn't there. even say you'll have a car. You'll have, what you need. Car, you'll have food have and so enough enough to eat, enough to wear. Yeah. Uh, and uh, in Second Samuel chapter twenty four, verse twenty four, we learn a lot about uh, what God expects for for us in the way of giving. And David was offered the uh, 
his offering to the Lord to be given to him. And he refused. He says, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price, nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which cost me nothing. There was a time when David was required to make a sacrifice, and a man said, here, here's everything you need. Just make take it. it. Just take it. I'll give it to you. David said, no. Uh, that's not sacrifice. If it doesn't cost me anything, it's not sacrifice. I, don't, I, won't, I won't make an offering to the Lord that does cost me nothing. And if it doesn't hurt, if it's not, uh, if it's not hurting us, perhaps it's not uh, giving in the way that God uh, would want it to be. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Join in the chat room. A lot of chatter going there. We'll try and work it in when we get back. Well, we're going to take a short break. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great. I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd, but don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. You just might find it is easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College of Church Christ. Hello, I'm Nick Law from Jennings, Florida. I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and hear God's Word taught every Thursday night. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys. And we welcome you back to the program. We appreciate Nick in Jennings, Florida listening there. As you heard, he is online tonight, and he's in the chat room. And uh, we hope that you're in the chat room as well if you're Danny, watching us live. Danny in Greenville, Mississippi is there. Yeah, we have. And we have Dean in the Louisiana. Dean makes a comment uh, along the lines of what we were just saying, and I, I didn't see this before I made my comment, but he mentions the same thing. He says, the problem is that many, even in the church, don't really believe that God will provide for us if we place him first, Matthew 6:33. I'm convinced this is true based upon what we can observe despite what we may say. In other words, we can say one thing. But our actions maybe display something different. I think you're right, Dean. All right. Uh, that's one of the benefits of giving we may get into later on is it uh, really does help uh, get our heart in the right place if we're giving as we should. We're talking about giving on the program tonight. Have you noticed the con contributions where uh, you are a member dropping in the later latest economic we got climate several that we're more in? people in the chat room, so let's repeat that question, yeah, Jacob, yeah. see if we can get some response. Just say yes or no. That's all we need. Has the church where you are a member experienced a drop in contributions, yes or no, and then have there been necessary reductions in the programs of work that the congregation is able to do? We're not asking for particulars. we just like to know, are, are you... We don't are need you, a percentage. No, we're not asking for a percentage. Up or down. But contribution down, therefore, is the work scaled back necessarily. Let us know in the chat room uh, what you think. And the next question we're going to get to, if you want to go ahead and send those comments in the chat room, what things should a Christian take into consideration when deciding to increase, decrease, or continue the same level of giving? Jack in the chat room says, what can you give God when he already has everything? You can give him your best. I know this is difficult to accomplish, but what is more important? We may have to do a better job of being a steward, and he says he needs to do better as well. Okay, we got one response from Adam in this chat room. says, no, the contributions are not down. No, the level of work is not down. Very good. So good. Jack Jack says, yes, we have experienced a drop. So okay. there's two inputs on that question. Okay. Uh, uh, Danny in uh, Greenville, Mississippi says, no drop as well. Okay. All right. Uh, the second question we ask, here we're thinking about, maybe reevaluating our level of giving at the end of the year. And the, and the second question we ask is, what things should a Christian take into consideration when deciding to increase, 
decrease or keep your give it, level of giving at the same level? What are your thoughts? Uh, let us know. Give us a call, toll free, 877-381-4567. Uh, no sacrifice required there. It's a free call tonight. Yeah. And we, we pay the bills. Or so send, send us an email. We look forward to hearing from you. Yeah. Um, I, I, several things, Jacob, that I think might need to be taken into consideration at any time you're considering your level of giving. And I think that needs, by the way, I think that reevaluation, reevaluation process needs to be done with some regularity. I'm really concerned that there are some people who are given the same thing they gave 10 or 15 years ago, and they, they haven't changed it. They haven't, they haven't cut back, but they haven't even really thought about it. That's just what they always give, and they just keep giving it. I tell you, most everybody, almost everybody, I'm sure there are exceptions, but almost everybody is making way more now than they were making 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And therefore, if you're going to give proportionately, which is one of the factors I think that we should take into consideration, then you ought to be given considerably more than you were given 15 years ago, too. It needs to be reevaluated. It, uh, it, it's something that needs to, to be planned in your budget and proportional to your to your income. Okay. Uh, a, a really important verse uh, is 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. Notice it, it's to be something that is purposed in the heart. Mm -hmm. And that would suggest the idea, i got to think about it, and i gotta, I got to plan for it. Uh, that, that would say that, therefore, it can't be... Well, what's left over now at the end of the week? I, I, I bought all the things I wanted. I, I made installment payments on all those things I committed myself to, new car, new big screen TV, that great vacation we took last summer. And I'm still paying on that, by the way. My charge card bill comes in every, every month, and I'm barely able to make the minimum payments. And now here we are, and it's time to give. And so what's left? How much I got left? And that's not purposing in your heart, Jacob. That's not given by a plan. That plan should have come into play before I bought the big screen TV. Absolutely. Before I went on the expensive vacation, I should have considered if in doing these things, is it going to make it so that I can't give as I should to the Lord? And if so, therefore I can't do those things. That's that's a plan. That's purposing in your heart. All right. Um, and and it is also personal nature, Dad. You can't. Uh, you're not. Uh, no one can set a, a, what that number needs to be for me. It needs to be as I purpose in my heart. That's a personal decision. Yeah, that's right. It's personal. It, but there has know, to be there, there has to be that planning, and I need to do it. Nobody can do it for me. No, I'm not. I, I can't sit here and tell you, Jacob. You really messed up when you bought that new car. Right. Of course, I've never known you to buy a new car, but let, let's say that you did. Yeah, if I did, you could get me checked. <laughs> yeah, if you did, I'd be really wondering yeah. what's going on. But if you, let's say that you went out and bought that new car, I, I, I do not have the right to come and challenge you and say, did you think about your giving before you bought that new car? It's a personal thing. Right. Uh, and it needs we need to be, to be careful about judging others. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. But we don't have to be careful about saying the Bible plainly teaches sure. it needs to be by plan. It sure. needs to be something purposed in the heart. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. And it is in proportion, as you said, Dad, to our giving. We're going to purpose in our heart, but it is as we have been prospered, First Corinthians chapter 16, beginning of verse 1, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so must you do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, there be no collections when I come. It's according to my income. Yep. There's not. It's not just a 
you know, it's this much per month. It's according to my income. So back to the question we asked, what kind of things should be taken into consideration as I'm reevaluating my giving? Am I going to give more? Am I going to give less? I'm going to give the same thing. Surely a huge factor in that consideration is going to be how have I been prospered? Sure. I mean, what's the level of my – if I've made a lot more this year, then I ought to be given a lot more this year. If I've made less, I may have to think about scaling back. Maybe not. Maybe I can sacrifice something else. W wonder what's wrong in our thinking when if we are sort of on hard times, we don't have as much, you know, expendable income as we had before. Therefore, the first thing yeah. that gets cut is my giving. Yeah. Uh, there, there may, that may certainly reflect a problem of heart, too. Or, as we talked about, uh, first fruits and how God has always expected the first fruits, uh, maybe uh, we need to think about that when we go to buy that uh, new vehicle or that new home. How is this going to affect my finances? Let's say that I do uh, uh, experience a reduction in my pay. Am I going to still be able to give at the correct levels that I've purposed in my heart and still be able to make those payments that I've obligated myself to. I need to make sure that I'm planning uh, for those types of things in the future. Now, a good question comes up in the chat room. Did you see this one from Sharon? Yeah. Uh, Sharon says, um, should we, um, let's see, when money isn't being used to teach, are we still to sacrifice to give and the, while the money sets in the bank? In other words, as a Christian, I'm looking at what they're doing what the congregation is doing with the money they have and i don't yeah. think they're doing much with it is what she's arguing in other words yeah. i'm uh, i'm in a church say where the situation is that the church is not doing much with that money does that does that factor into my decision about what i give mm -hmm. uh, i don't think it changes my obligation to be sacrificial to the lord no it doesn't uh and and so how, how am I going to attack that problem? Am I going to attack that problem by saying they're not using it, therefore I'm not giving it? Or am I going to attack that problem by saying we need to talk, we need to get our heads together in the local congregation and make sure that we are using what we have to the glory of God to its maximum ability? Right. I think that would be where you attack the problem. You don't attack the problem by saying, well, I'm just holding back. I think Christians do that. I think a lot of Christians do this. They're not using the money that they got. They got a big bank account, and they're not using it. I'm not giving Yeah. I, my, my responsibility to give is not negated or, or, or reduced because of some failure in another aspect of this picture. Right. I still got to give. So where you got to attack the problem is give. But I, th I think there are a lot of churches like that. They sit on a big bank account, and I don't know why. I don't know what they're trying to accomplish in that. Uh, use what you got. And That's if right. you need more, more will, will likely be there. But use what you got. I think... The leadership of local congregations, elders, uh, uh, in the case where churches have elders, or the men of the congregation who make such decisions in the absence of elders, need to use what they have. And, and uh, they're actually providing a disincentive and a discouragement to Christians by not using their funds effectively that they do have. All right. And I'm not, and I'm not saying Sharon is guilty of this, but I, no. know, I know that some are, I think, guilty of this of looking for reasons why they shouldn't they don't have to give. And and I think it's a failing to understand Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse six, but this I say, who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Being able to give to the Lord is a blessing to us. It's not an obligation. It's if 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 we begin to look at it as a an obligation, 
then we're violating First Corinthians, or Second Corinthians 9, verse 7, so let each of us give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. We've got to remember that this is a, this is a blessing to us. It is, it is something that is good and beneficial to us. It is not an, uh, something we should need to look at as a necessity or as a burden, but it's a blessing to us to be able to give to the Lord. Yeah, I think that's right. And you've got to have that perspective. You've got to have that attitude. And, and if you don't have it, it's really going to be, I think it's going to be impossible to give as you should if you don't have the right attitude about it. Again, and we're not, we're not judging could, anyone's heart right now. But just, you, I think you could say even if you were given a, a, a technical percentage that might be enough, if you did it grudgingly, it, it, would, yeah. it, it would be ineffective or if you did it where you 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 wave that uh that big check out so everyone can see it as you dropped it in the plate that again would be uh there's lots of things that can negate the benefit of of our giving back to the back to the point i was making earlier about loading yourself down with a lot of payments on things that you bought for yourself so that you can't give dean says that touches on part of the problem we load ourselves down with financial obligation to this to the exclusion of proper giving i think he's right Jack says, I try to evaluate my giving at least on a yearly basis because each year I've been blessed with a pay increase. But also, if I come into some additional money, I believe I must increase my giving there. Okay. You know, sometimes it's not just your regular paycheck. Maybe you, maybe you get uh, some some cash some some other way. Maybe you have you own some stock or something. And you sold it. That's that's no. that's gravy, man. I don't have to give any of that. No. Well, that's, I think that's the way people might look at right. it. Right. But that's not right. Okay. And yeah, we didn't think about this when we we planned the topic for tonight, but it is uh, good timing because a lot of pay increases I think will take effect at the first of the year, and so maybe it's a good time for you to reevaluate your giving. We need to take a break and get this week's bullet point. And when we get back from the break, we continue the discussion. Lots of good chatting in the chat room tonight. Lots of good comments. We hope to work those in. But as we get back from the break, we want to talk about tithing. Are we still supposed to tithe today? We hear that a lot on the radio. We hear that a lot in uh, religious discussions today. Tithing. Do we still need to be tithing? Let us know your thoughts about that. 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com and join in the chat room tonight. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Hi, I'm Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a suggestion for you and your family. Why not turn off the TV on Thursday nights and gather the family around the computer for an hour of in-depth Bible study? The virtual Bible study always involves subjects of importance and interest to serious Bible students. So, why not join this Internet Bible study group every Thursday night? This is Greg Gwen with this week's Bullet Point. Peter, Andrew, James, and John were busily engaged in their occupation as fishermen when Jesus first saw them. But when the Master called, quote, straightway they forsook their nets and followed him, Mark 1, verse 18. They did not hesitate, offer excuses, or try to explain that their jobs simply would not allow them to serve at that moment. They followed Jesus. Many of today's disciples need to imitate the worthy example of these early followers of Jesus. Increasingly, we hear of our brethren who excuse themselves from most every act of service because of their job. If someone has been neglecting the services, he explains to us that it is because he, quote, had to work. Others never become involved in the activities of church. They won't teach, don't do personal work, never visit the sick, fail to encourage weak brethren, and so forth. Why? They tell us that it is because they are, quote, too busy at work. Work has become the most common excuse offered for failing to do one's spiritual duty. And by the way, teenagers with part-time jobs are some of the worst offenders. And it seems that when this excuse is offered, we're all supposed to simply let the matter drop. It's okay, you see, if it's because of work. We have one simple question. 
Where in the scripture does it say that it's all right to neglect our God-given duties so long as our jobs require it? That verse hadn't been found yet, but while you're searching for it, you might run across this one. Quote, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Matthew 6, verse 33. Christian, have you deceived yourself into thinking that it's okay to shirk your spiritual responsibilities for your job? Think again. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And we are back on the virtual Bible study tonight, and we appreciate you for being there. We'll remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. If you've never visited our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, visit it now and find out more about the College View Church of Christ. If you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to come and visit with us on Sundays and Wednesdays. You'd be our welcome guest. We're talking about giving on the program tonight and what we believe the Bible teaches about it. We're looking forward to your comments. 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. Or join in the chat room where we have a lot of good comments tonight. Uh, one of those comments uh, coming from Adam. What is a good rule of thumb for how much to a congregation should keep in the bank? How much is too much and how much is too little? What are your thoughts about that? Uh, what, what? Jack, Jack answers by saying that's a judgment call, and I agree with that answer. But as with all judgment calls, there are things that make for good judgment and things that make for bad judgment. One thing that I think would be certainly a, a rule to observe in how much a congregation should keep in the bank is what we were just talking about. If it becomes a disincentive to Christians to give as they should, if it's a discouragement to their giving, then I'd say you got too much in the bank. Okay. All right. And uh, it seems that uh, there was a purpose uh, behind the money that was given in the New Testament. Uh, any uh, correlation there you can make to maybe a budget uh, that the church might have on how they plan to use the money? Now you're saying this. Repeat the question. There was, you weren't paying attention. Were you? No, I was reading. Okay. Reading oh, the chat. there you go. See, that's what our listeners do, I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah. They're just reading the chat room. Is there a correlation? In the New Testament, the money was given for a purpose. There was there was there was a need. When, when the the giving that we read about was right. to an assigned thing. When they when it was put before the people to give, it was to an assigned. Any thing. correlation you can make, and I mean, not maybe not a hard and fast rule, but should there be a budget? Should the congregation have a budget on how we're going to spend the money? Well, I think I think challenges at least should constantly be put before the congregation, saying, you know, we we received five requests from preachers this month <laughs> who are in desperate need of financial support. And, and we're not able to give it to them, right. but we could if we could get this giving up mm -hmm. to this level. Those kind of putting those kind of opportunities before the membership, I think, is a good thing. Okay. All right. Eight seven seven three. Because as you as you say in the in the first century, when the people were challenged to give, they were told, "Here's right. here's That's what's a, needed." Yeah, they're about to be a famine. We're yeah. gonna have to get busy with that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, we asked a question, Dad. You asked a question earlier today. What about tithing? Does the Old Testament command to tithe, or is there any application we can make to that today? Jeff is behind the controls tonight, and uh, he had some comments on the tithing. Jeff, what about tithing? Do we need to be tithing today? Uh, no, we don't, because uh, that was an old law custom that they were to give 10%, and it was of everything they had. Uh, but in Hebrews 8... Verses 6 through 13, we understand that there's a new law, and okay. we're no longer under that old law. Okay. All right. Good comment. Uh, and uh, I would agree with that, Dad. Yeah, yeah. We, You know, an awful lot of religious denominations teach and bind the concept of tithing, but as we have studied often before on the virtual Bible study, the Old Testament law of Moses has been abolished. Colossians sure. 2, 14 through 16 plainly teaches that Jesus nailed the ordinances of the old law to his cross, and we are not uh, we, we are not 
bound by those instructions anymore. But the, the big concern to me is that on, on the tithing question in particular, people say, oh, we're not bound by the Old Testament law anymore, therefore we don't have to give anything close to 10%. That's what they had to give, but we're not bound by that law anymore. And I think that's probably a wrong way to view it. Now, uh, I would I would join with others in adamantly opposing anyone who tried to enforce the tithe law. Mm-hmm. It's wrong. You can't do that. You you can't obligate people by because the Old Testament taught it. Yeah. But just like in all things, the that we learn from the Old Testament, those things are written for our learning. In First Corinthians chapter ten. Uh, verse 11, it says, These things happened unto them, for example, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. We learn lessons from the children of Israel. And I think we can learn a lesson and make some application of the principle, uh, even on the question of tithing. Okay. Uh, what what I, I think is a practical application of that in particular is, if that's what was expected of them, and it clearly was, and they were very diligent in that matter, uh, uh, back over in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus talked about the Pharisees who were so careful to pay their tithe that they even, Matthew 23, 23, they would give a tithe of their garden herbs, uh, mint, anise, and cumin. In other words, they were so careful about observing that tithe that when they've got a harvest of just garden herbs, and that might just be a handful, they would carefully divide it in ten parts and give a tenth to the Lord. So they certainly observed that that law. If that's what was required and expected, and they gave considerable diligence to make sure it was done under the Old Testament law, the question that always comes up is, why would we think that that's just an unreasonable consideration for us or an unreasonable beginning place for our consideration? I'm not saying anybody has to give 10%, but I'm saying that seems to me to be a reasonable place to to sort of start thinking as to what's expected. You're somewhat unique in your views, though, because according to the study we cited earlier, uh, average church members give about 2.43% of their annual income. 2.43%, uh, that's, uh, quite a bit, that's a quite a few percentages less than 10%, as you can tell. Uh, you had some interesting figures in your bulletin last week, I think it was, or this week. You got it up? Yeah, um, and uh, this is from Christianity Today. This is a couple years old, so maybe the numbers are even less now. Americans who earned less than $10,000 gave 2.3% of their income to religious organizations. That's in line with what we read there in that stat from the other article. Um, whereas those who earned 70000 or more gave only 1.2%, uh, while the actual percentages are slightly uh, higher for those who regularly attend church. Uh, the pattern is similar. Households of committed churchgoers making less than $1,250 a year gave roughly 7% of their income, a figure no other income bracket beats until incomes rise above 90000 90, Those above 90000 give 8.8%. In fact, in absolute terms, the poorest church members give more dollars than all the wealthiest ones. If members of churches in the United States has ra- had raised their giving to Old Testament's minimum standards of giving 10%, of their income in the year 2000, an additional $139 billion would have been given. Wow, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. So basically what we're saying is people who call themselves Christians are not even coming close to matching what was expected of a faithful Jew in the Old Testament it was, times. It's interesting that those who, those uh, $10,000 $10, would be well below the poverty level, oh, yeah, right. uh, are giving more than those who are well above the poverty level. And it may be an indication, as you said, that uh, people aren't evaluating their giving uh, seriously enough uh, and making adjustments as their income increases. 
Yeah, the, the point's been made. We we live under a better covenant. We have better present blessings, and we have better promises than the people under the law of Moses had. Why would we think it is just crazy to consider giving at the level they gave? Now there is a problem though with that with that mindset that uh, I've got to give 10%. That's the line, and the problem is that it becomes a grudging thing or a necessity. If I say, oh, okay, I've got I've got this line that I've got to meet, then it becomes a necessity. Yeah. And I begin to grudge it. Oh, I've got to give 10%. Yeah. Now I think I think I think 10% is very reasonable, as you said. But we ought to not to just grudge. Oh, I've got to give that 10%. We ought to think, well, I can that that would be a good starting point. But can what can I do above and beyond that? And what can I do there? And be joyful about it and cheerful about about that giving. Yeah. Um, Dean makes a point in the chat room that I like. He says the gospel of Christ gives us liberty. If, if you stop right there, a lot of people say, yeah, we don't have to give 10%. Dean goes on, he says the gospel of Christ gives us liberty to go beyond what was commanded in the Old Testament. I remember a story of an old preacher who was asked the question, "Do we have to, are, are we obligated to give the 10% that people in the Old Testament had to give? And he said, oh, no, absolutely not. We're not obligated by that Old Testament law at all. We can give a whole lot more if we want to. And I, I really think that as Christians, that's what we ought to, we ought to see that as an opportunity we have. We, and we live in the most blessed, materially blessed time and place in the history of time. And we ought to, we ought to consider, therefore, that our, our responsibility, our accountability in the matter of giving is pretty great. And yeah. I, just, I just think Christians in general are not thinking in those terms. All right, let's uh, let's go take a break because we've got a we've got a loaded question here in the in the next uh, segment that we need to have plenty of time to talk about. Number four: uh, Should a Christian base his or her giving on gross pay or take-home pay? Should you do it before or after the tax uh, man gets his cut? Uh, what do you think about that? And I've got another one that we can throw in the mix. Can I deduct my contributions to the church when I pay my taxes? Yeah. Can I've I heard, itemize those? I've heard both those questions asked. Let's talk about them. All right. We'll talk about them on the other side. Get your comments in now. Fill the chat room up with your comments during the break or send an email or better yet, give us a phone call. Don't go anywhere. We'll go to the top of the hour right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Wade Shelton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you're like me, you've probably heard a lot of rumors about what the Church of Christ is all about. But regardless of what the rumors you may have heard, let me just quickly tell you what we are about. The College View Church of Christ is simply a group of Christians that is committed to doing everything that God has commanded us in exactly the way that he commanded us to do it. So we just simply open our Bibles and study them to determine what God has commanded us to do, and then we try to do it. It's just really that simple. Are you interested in being part of a group of people who have this approach to serving God? If so, I hope you will join me and my family as we worship God with the College View Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Hello, my name's Jeffrey Vernon. I'm 13, and this is the Virtual Bible Study. That was me five years ago. Now I'm 18, and I still love listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the Virtual Bible Study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. We're back on the Virtual Bible Study tonight, and we just had the comment that we need new commercials. We've been using some of those commercials. Jeffrey... Jeffrey was 13 when we first started using that commercial. Now, you have updated that, Jeffrey, but we've been running that for five years, so it wouldn't hurt to get some new ones. That's right. We'll need to work on that. Uh, but uh, we are glad that you're on the other end of the line tonight. What about our, our uh, giving? And we're talking about that tonight. In the chat room, Dean talking about what a blessed time we live in. 
Uh, well, first of all, Jack says, giving begrudgingly is such a sad thought. Giving to the God who has blessed us so much should be something we enjoy. It's not ours anyway. And Dean says, that's a good point. We could probably give 50% and still live better than most of the people in history. And I, I believe that's certainly yeah, true. It would be sad to, to not have given so you could enjoy those luxuries that people can't even dream about yeah. not too far away from here. All right. Jack, uh, we threw out the question, and Jack has answered. Should we, should, when we're thinking about our giving, should we think about it on the basis of our gross pay? In other words, the, what was there before they started taking things out. You're going to get your Social Security taken. I mean, if, if you work for a company that does withholding, you're going to get your Social Security taken out. You're going to get your income tax taken out. Probably going to get some insurance premiums taken out of that and maybe some other stuff, too. And so the check they write you is less than, by a significant amount, is less than what your gross pay was. Now, when you're thinking about giving to the Lord, you're going to give out of your out of that gross pay or out of your take-home or net pay, your bring-home pay. I'm getting a little self-conscious here. Uh, a lot of people are saying gross in the chat room. Are they talking about the video, uh, the picture on the video? Or are they saying that they need to give it a, the gross Jack off the top? Jack says gross off the top. Okay, I was thinking maybe they are talking about us. Yeah. Uh, okay, off the top, what do you think? Let us know your thoughts. Uh, quickly chime in on that. What do you think, Jay? I think uh, I think it has to. It, I, I don't know. I'm not going to say have to. Uh, in my house, it's off the top. Uh, I'm uh, because when I pay taxes, I'm getting some value out of it. Yeah, that's the thing people don't recognize. In other words, when they take my taxes, now I may not agree with everything they do, and I think there's certainly a lot of waste in what the what the government does with the tax dollars they take from me. But I got to tell you, I'm a big benefactor. I'm a big beneficiary, rather. I'm a big beneficiary. And a benefactor. Yeah, I'm a benefactor, too, probably. <laughs> but I'm a big beneficiary of the things the government does. Yeah. I mean, we we, we have a safe place to live, yeah. both in, in the world and in our own local community, by military, by police force that are funded with those tax dollars. We've got good roads to drive on. Right. Uh, you know, we've got all kinds of infrastructure that is kept in place. And for that matter, some some worthy, needy people are helped with money that I give to the government, too. Now, I think there's some unworthy people right. who are helped, but some, some worthy people get some of the money that I give, too. In other words, those dollars are actually buying a, a service. service for me. It's just the same as when I write a check to the electric company or when I write a check to the phone company or whatever. When, I, when that check, when that money goes to, to, to taxes... I'm buying services. I'm buying a benefit. So it's not like I didn't get anything for it. I actually profited. I benefited by the money that, that I had taken out of my check if I had withholding when it was when it was given in taxes or Social Security, whatever. And furthermore, if we think about first fruits, uh, then God should be paid before uh, Caesar yeah. gets paid yeah. as well. Yeah, I think that's right. I've, I've, I've in, over the years, I've had some discussions with Christians who just get pretty adamant about that. They think that, well, I don't have that money, therefore I'm not expected to consider that in my gift. I really don't, if you really can honestly step back and analyze that, I really don't think that's true. I, I mean, you are you are getting a benefit out of, of all the money, and even remember, that that the government takes out. Remember, we're not to give grudgingly or of necessity. It is a blessing, and God loves a cheerful giver. And so uh, we look forward to hearing from you. If you want to chime in quickly and let us know your thoughts uh, off the top, or should it be just the net, uh, let us know. Talking uh, about blessings that we have uh Sharon says, what would King Saul think if he could see our homes, cars, and boats? I, I've, I've thought a lot about that recently, Sharon. And I, you know, Solomon, who I believe 
probably in almost all likelihood was the richest man who ever lived in the history of time. And I got things in, in my common little house that King Solomon could not have dreamed of. You know, I've got, the, the Queen of Sheba probably would have come to your house to see. What and was she there. would have said the half has not been touched. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I, I'm certainly not rich like Solomon, but I got things that Solomon didn't have. I have yeah. blessings and material and physical blessings that King Solomon couldn't even have imagined in his wildest dreams. And so, you know, we really are blessed people. All right. Uh, let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Time to take your call or give us an email or join in the chat room with other listeners tonight. Now, the question I had before the break is, can I write this off on my taxes? When I pay, uh, or not when I pay, when I uh, contribute to the, the work of the church or when I give to the Lord, can I write that off on my taxes? Uh, I'm interested to hear your thought on that. I don't, I, uh, you, you imply something that maybe I don't agree with. So tell me what you think. Oh, I, well, I think I can. I, oh, I uh, thought you were going to. I thought you were going to go the other way. No, no, no. Uh, I, oh. I mean, I, I think I can. I'm not. Uh, I'm not giving so that I can, you know, write off my. I don't think that uh, that God wants me to contribute just so I can lower my tax uh, burden. Uh, you know, He's not. The, I don't think that, that that's needs to be my motivating factor. But if the government's going to give me a deduction, uh, I think I'm. I, I, think the, I think the government. I don't know that the present government would think government would think this way, but I think uh, those who established the tax system back decades ago probably understood that money given to a religious organization provides a benefit to society, and so they saw that as a way to get good done and therefore give a tax consideration to those who give money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know, but I assume that was probably in their mind. But I'm like you. I, if the government allows it, it's perfectly legal. Uh, why would I not do that? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if if I'm not cutting corners or cheating or misreporting or doing something else to try and lower my my tax burden, if I'm if I'm doing what the law allows, that therefore lowers my tax burden, I can't imagine why I wouldn't do that. Now I do think there there would be some problem perhaps if I'm giving just to lower my tax burden because. Again, God expects sacrifice. David wouldn't give something to God that didn't require sacrifice. And so if I'm just giving because I want to pay less taxes, then I think my motivation is wrong. Well, but that'd be a pretty foolish investment. I mean, Well, <laughs> people do more foolish things than that. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're just doing that to reduce your tax burden, you're not ending up with more money right. in the long run. Right. Okay. All, All right. right. Uh, we have time for your comments. Send them in now. All right, we've got one more question before we run out of time here. And we've got a lot of comments going on in the chat room. But, but looking at one more question uh, that we have. Oh, we, have a, we do have a comment. Oh, go ahead. And uh, this is from uh, Mohan in Chicago, Illinois. He says this, or he or she, again. Uh, we, haven't th- we don't know who Mohan is. Mohan, tell us a little bit about yourself when you get a chance. Yeah. Uh, Mohan says, as far as tithing or giving a percent of the gross or net pay, I think the scriptures teach that we should be cheerful givers. And each one should decide how much to give. It is between them and God, and we should keep secret what our right hand is giving. And it is not anyone's business how much we give. People like the Pharisees like to announce how much they give. Maybe a good time to increase our giving is if we get a bonus or a raise. We should give both to the needy in the church and so that the church can carry out its mission in bringing the gospel. Exactly agree with right. Mo, what Moan says, uh, but... Uh, Perhaps a misunderstanding. We're not saying that we want to announce what we're giving, or we're not saying that we want to dictate what other people are giving. Uh, and well, that kind of raises another question. If you pay by, if you make your contribution by check, somebody 
obviously has to see the, that check and make out a deposit slip and, mm -hmm. and put it in the bank and so forth. So somebody will, if I, if I do it by check, somebody's going to find out. The left out. hand is going to know. Yeah, so sh what, what do you think about that? Is that something that's bad and maybe we should reconsider doing that? I hadn't thought about that. Uh, I, I mean, that's what I do. I write a check, but is that, is that good form or would it be better to do it a different way? I don't know. Uh, I, I agree with Mohan that certainly we we should not be doing it to be seen. I mean, when I write a check, I don't think when anybody writes a check, they're doing it so that whoever that guy is that counts the money knows how much, knows how much I've given. I'm not trying to impress him. Yeah. Uh, uh, but you know, somebody might say that that's not the best judgment to do it that way. We'd be glad. I'd be glad to hear uh, some response. Hey, while we're jumping off into judgments, uh, here's one that uh, I know you've talked about before. Uh, let's say I get paid once a month. How often should I contribute? Yeah, uh, I think that's a judgment. I do think that's a judgment. Uh, but it, I, I'm, I'm actually in that category. But oh, okay. I, but I, I want to give some every week. It keeps me mindful of my mm -hmm. stewardship in that regard. Uh, I think it helps the local church to, therefore, have some better handle on what resources it has to do work to the glory of God, so I think there's a there's a benefit to me and a benefit to the church if I if I uh, even that out and give give a, 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 a equal part each week. Maybe it is judgment. I'm willing to, to allow that it is judgment. I'm in the same category. I don't get paid every week, but I prosper every week that I work. Yeah. And I think that's what uh, that's what First Corinthians chapter 16 verse uh, beginning of verse one tells us that it is according to as we prospered. And, uh, Dad, if I work this week but I don't get paid till the end of the month, should I not work the other uh, weeks of the month, I'll still get paid for what I did this week. So I have prospered, in effect, this week. But uh, maybe there's some – if, 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 if I'm a farmer, you know, I'm working every week and I'm only getting paid at the end of the yeah, year. Yeah, for some people it would be harder because I yeah. know people who are farmers who listen to this program, and they really don't know what they're going to make sure. until they get all the accounting yeah. done at the end of the year. Yeah. So, I mean, that would be harder for them than it is for me, obviously. It's easy for me. Yeah, I know what it's yeah, going to be. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. so there, there is some judgment there. Uh, in the chat room, Dean says, to the question about writing checks, uh, Sharon said, I don't like checks. Jack said, I used to give cash, but now I write checks because uh, – but he said, uh, he says he got lazy and started writing checks. But he says, I think giving cash would be better. Dean says, by writing a check, you could also be setting a good example. We need to be slow to assume that the one who shows or tells how much they give is doing it to receive the praises of men. That's a good point. You know, the fact that somebody else knows what I'm doing is not what Jesus was condemning in the Sermon on the Mount. I'm not doing it to be seen of men for the sake of my own personal glory. But I, in the same sermon, he said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It's not wrong for others to see what we're doing. What's wrong is our mo what motivates us to do it that way. Judgment calls. Yeah. All right. Um, and uh, we have one more question tonight that you we yeah. have not discussed yet. We asked the question, if, if in the congregation where you are there has been a scaling back of, of the work of the congregation, or even if it's not happened yet, if it, if it became necessary for a congregation to scale back its work, what factors should be considered in making those choices? Mm -hmm. uh, some churches are being faced with that. That article, some denominational groups, as that article in the Tennessean suggested, are facing that. And I think some congregations of God's people are facing those kinds of decisions. And so, if if that becomes the reality, how would you decide what to scale back? 
Let us know your thoughts in the chat room quickly. We're almost out of time, but we'd like to hear your thoughts. Uh, what are your thoughts, Dad? What gets priority? Uh, well, I think that the primary mission of the Lord's Church is just to preach the gospel. Mm -hmm. uh, we've often talked about there are three general areas of work for, for the local congregation. Evangelism, edification of the saints, and, and a limited role in benevolence toward needy saints. I think that the main work God has given the church to do is to proclaim the gospel. Uh, the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, I think that takes top priority. Uh, and so it, sh it, it should be last resort to stop using funds in the proclamation of the gospel. If it's, if it's necessary, it might have to happen. In other words, if, if, you're, if the congregation is supporting some preachers in other places to do the work of evangelism, then it, it might become necessary. If it became necessary, I think you'd start looking at your uh, uh, where you feel that the most good is being done with the money you're, you're sending. I think that's the only thing you could do. But I, obviously, that's the last thing we want to have to do. Okay. And so maybe uh, turn turn maybe scaling back some of the uh, benevolent activities is what you're suggesting? Well, I, I don't think churches these days are called upon to do as much benevolent work as there was, like, for instance, in because, the first century. Because of the taxes that we're paying? And because we're blessed. Uh, and uh, Because we live in a place where there's a pretty substantial social safety net provided by the government, uh, churches, I don't think, are doing a whole lot of work, necessary work in the realm of benevolence. Uh, but, you know, for instance, physical facilities. The, 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 the church building, for instance, is primarily a tool of edification. Now, it's used for evangelism, too, but it's primarily something used to edify the saints. And so maybe we scale back on things that we're planning to do to improve or add to or implement the building so that we can keep doing evangelism. I mm -hmm. think that'd be an appropriate judgment call. Okay. All right. Um, well, some good things to think about. You know, it is a shame that... Uh, that perhaps we're not giving as we should, and uh, perhaps we have excess and abundance in our personal lives, but then the work of the church has to suffer because we fail to give as we should. Yeah. There, there will be some accounting for that. One last comment from the chat room. We had good comments in the chat room. We appreciate all of you. He, uh, Jack mentions when he was in Korea, he said, I was ashamed when asked by some Korean farmers how much I made. I was just a junior enlisted man in the Army making only $750 a month, when they, I think he says that was back in 1985. 1985. Yeah. And he said, when they were told what I made, their eyes got as big as saucers, and I was ashamed. I think we would be ashamed if... if uh, Jack was probably complaining about a $750 to the... Until, until that yeah. happened. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if, if, we, if, if other people in other places in the world today saw our standard of living and the amount of money that we have at our disposal, they'd be shocked. And what that tells us is that we are, therefore, under high accountability and responsibility before God to use that blessing in a way that's appropriate to his honor and glory. And, and for Christians to fail to think carefully about their giving is a huge mistake. And we, uh, you know, we, we just got to be honest and give careful consideration to our giving. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning of verse 6 again. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. 
So let each one of us give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Certainly some... Uh, Quickly, Jack, one more, quote, one more chat from Jack. We must take care of our debts and operating expenses, otherwise we would be guilty of not being good stewards and paying for what we agree, uh, uh, not being good stewards and paying what we agreed to do. We couldn't stop paying the electricity or water immediately. Now we may have to consider making some cuts and eliminating some unnecessary things. This is a judgment call as well. Evangelism is first, but we don't want to do anything without careful consideration. All right, and we miss, uh, we maybe uh, wrongfully accused Jack. He says he was not uh, arguing or complaining about his uh, his salary which is uh, what instruction uh, Jesus would have given uh, Jack as well. Yeah, yeah. John the Baptist was the one who oh, told the soldiers not to, yeah. not to complain about yeah, their wages. with their wages. Uh, so we wrongfully accused Jack of that, so we apologize for that. All right, uh, we need to, uh, to wrap this up. Uh, Jeff, thank you for manning the controls tonight. Job well done. And, uh, Dad, thank you for your time. See you next year. Next year. We hope to be back next year, Lord willing. Hope you're back next year. Thank you for listening to 2010. Look forward to hearing or to talking with you in 2011, uh, Lord willing. We appreciate you being on the other end of the line tonight, and we hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We look forward to talking with you next week. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.